background on John 11 and Lazarus, Jesus simply says this. He says, I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And he says that I've come so that you may have life and have life abundantly. So the, the deal is this, that if Jesus is life, everything that's apart from him or aside from him is a place of death. And so no matter what that may be, if, 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 for our Spanish-speaking friends in the audience and those that actually know it, I know me gusta jugar al football. I learned that in ninth grade. I like to play soccer. That's it. I'm done. But for our Spanish-speaking friends, the word sin or sane in Spanish simply means without. So anything that's without Jesus, without God in it and ordaining it and approving of it, that's a place of death. Now, for Lazarus, when you look at him, his death was death. So he was dead. He's done. He's there. He's behind the tomb. So that's kind of setting that up with us. Turn to John 11, verse 1. Starting in verse 1. I want to look at four different components to it. The first thing I want to look at is Mary. Same Mary that had poured herself out at his feet, who'd given her perfume, who wept at him, who wiped his feet up with her hair. Same Mary, same gal. Look at her, then we're going to look at a couple other things from there. But in verse 1 it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick, so he's not dead yet. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one that you love is sick. Simple idea. Mary passionately, desperately understood who Jesus was, believed everything about him, believed everything that he said, was willing to offer up her humility, everything about it for him. And so what she thought and understood was, I love him, I know that he loves me and he cares about me, so if I sin to him, he's going to come. If I send message to him, if I pray to him, he's going to respond and hear my request because he loves me and I love him. And so flip over to verse 32. And it says this about Mary. Continuing down with Mary, Lazarus is dead. Jesus has finally showed up. He kind of tarried a little bit before he came. Jesus has finally showed up in verse 32. And it says, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and she saw him, she fell at his feet again and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled, and he said, where have you laid him? And they said, come and see, Lord, come and see. We'll show you where he is. A thought on Mary. A lot of us have people in our lives, various aspects of death. Some of it's addiction, some of it's infidelity. Some of it is our son is so lost and knee-deep in the woods that there's no possible way he's ever going to come back around and come back to know the Lord. All of us have different degrees or, or people in our life that have some element of death in them. And for those of us who have a passionate heart for the Lord and love him and we're praying and we're seeking after him, sometimes we have this expectation or this idea that simply at my word, at my prayer, he's going to move and it's going to be magically healed and everything's going to be right in the world. And a lot of times, that's not the way that he responds. And so for some of us, we get hurt. I, I know this. By the time Jesus shows up at the tomb, by the time he gets there, Lazarus is dead. When he first hears about it, he's sick. By the time he gets there, he's dead. He's been in the tomb for four days at this point, which is a long time. And, and, and there are reasons for that. We're not, we're not going to get into that today. But by the time he shows up, it's been four days. Mary and Martha are heart sick. They're broken. This big crowd has showed up. They're gathered around to kind of help heal their pain, their agony. And then he comes in. And they say, Lord, if you'd been here, if you just would have showed up, he wouldn't have died. 
and I know that there's people that we've prayed for, that we've, we've, we've kind of poured ourselves out for, that we've said, Lord, heal. You can move. We trust you can do it. We know that you want to do it. Come and move, Lord. And we feel like we've kind of fallen on deaf ears, that he hasn't responded and he hasn't moved into it. And, and I think there's two things off of that. The first one isn't real comforting because it's kind of vague. First idea off of that is it's his timing. He can heal if he wants to heal. He can heal when he wants to heal. And sometimes his timing isn't our timing. You know, this is four days, six days, somewhere in there. For some of us, we've been praying for years and years and years for healing to come into our family, for healing to come into our husband, for our relationships to be made whole. And we still kind of feel like "Ah, it's not happening. It's not going anywhere. There was a, a missionary in Venezuela and there was a guy who was coming to his church and been coming day after day, and the guy was totally lost. Not a Christian, but he kept showing up, and what he would do after the service is he would go outside and kind of debate with the priest and debate with the missionary and say, this is why you're wrong. This is why it's a lie. Now, this, this missionary invested their entire life in this community, in this church, even in this guy. And after 40 years of investment, the missionary is getting ready to go home, and one last time, Missionary prays, falls on her knee and set, knees and says, Lord, if you can move in this, if you can make this happen, Lord, I would be eternally grateful. And after 40 years of this guy not adhering, not falling into it, not going for it, the, the guy comes to the missionary, the day he's getting ready to get on the plane, and he says, I want you to know this. I've, I've been watching you for 40 years. For 40 years I've watched you. For 40 years I've, I've looked at your life and examined what you're doing and he says, I can't deny that it's real, that it's true, and I want to give my life to him. And, and so Mary's sitting here after a couple of days saying, Lord, you could have done something. And he's saying to her, Mary, give me a couple minutes. I'm about to show up in a big way and do something that's going to shock the world. And, and so my, my encouragement for you is this. Don't try to get caught up in our time. We, we live in a McDonald's fast food. I, what I love about McDonald's is this. They put a drive-thru in to make it a little more so for us fat people who want to pull up in there and I don't want to get out of my car because I may burn calories on the way in. I can go to the window and, and get a snack. What I love about it is this. They took it to the next level. That one window wasn't fast enough. And so they added the two-window system, right, where now I can pay here and then I can just, like, on the go, they throw it in my car like a NASCAR stop and, and I keep on going out of it. And then off of that, they made it even quicker. And, like, Chick-fil-A is taking it to the next extreme. And now they've got a guy out there with a Nextel thing, whatever that deal is, and they phone your order in and you come around. It's just ridiculous. But spiritually, we get caught up in that kind of anticipation that if I pray, it's supposed to happen. And, and, and he says, my timing's not quite your timing. You just be patient. You be obedient. You be persistent. You keep doing what Mary did. Throw yourself at my feet. Love me with all that you have and watch what's going to happen. The second thing off of the, the Mary timing deal is this. All healing, all movement, not healing, but all movement and in, 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 in kind of moving out of dead places requires a response from the one that's dead. And, and so it's not enough for Mary to say, Lord, I want you to heal him. There has to be a response from Lazarus, Lazarus that says, I'm willing to engage in that. And so our part, our job is to keep moving in prayer, to keep moving in truth, to keep speaking life into them and hoping for a response on their side. Does that make sense? And so, and so that's the Mary part of it. Flip over to uh, verse 38 or down to verse 38. And it says this. Jesus once more was deeply moved 
and he came to the tomb. So they're taking him over there. This is where Lazarus is. He's dead. He's behind the tomb. There was a big stone in front of it. It was laid across the entrance of it. And it says, he says to the people, take away the stone. Remove the stone. And David's been talking about running this race. I think we fall in one or two categories here a lot of the time. Sometimes we feel like, I want to run, I'm trying to run, but there's something that's holding me back. I'm wanting to move forward, I'm wanting, I want to go forward, I want to engage in it, I want to go full speed, but there's something that's kind of keeping me back. We have a, a stone of some variety, some shape, some form that keeps us from moving forward. And so he says, going down from there, he says, take the stone away, remove it, and then the people respond kind of like I would, but Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time, it's been four days, by this time, there's a bad odor, for he's been dead for four days. He's going to stink. You move the stone away, he's dead, the body's starting to rot, starting to decompose. There's going to be a little bit of a funk that comes out of that thing. And so, are you sure that you really want to do this, because it's, it's not good? We went down to the beach a couple weeks ago, and driving down to Florida, we had our kid in the car, beautiful baby, love him, he's awesome. We get on, on the way down, he's going to do what babies do. He's going to have some processing that takes place. He's going to have some refuse that comes out of it. He built up a pretty healthy compound in, in his diaper. And so we stopped a, bit, a little bit down. We take the diaper off of the kid. And he's just looking at you, splashing it. And, and so you take the diaper, you put it in the car. We get down to the beach. Next morning, we get up, we're going out. It's going to be great. Go to the beach. We're playing in the pool. We're frolicking, kids frolicking. And then about... I don't know, about four in the afternoon, I realized that we'd left that diaper in the car. Been about 100 degrees all day, kind of cooking up in there. You get some heat, releasing some smells, not good. And, and, and so we kind of like, okay, who's going to go get it? <laughs> we go paper, rock, scissors. I lose, she wins. And I go to the door, and there's that moment of hesitation where you're like, I don't know. I'm not feeling it. We unlock it, pull the door open, it wafts it. Now, there's that, legitimately there was that thing of, well, maybe we'll just wait till we leave. Let's keep it trapped up in there all week. Keep the smells trapped up in there. We'll release it down the road. You got to get it out and make it better. They're sitting here in front of the tomb, and Jesus gives the people a command. He says, remove this stone. Move the stone out of the way. I want to call them out. I want to move him in a new direction. I want to bring him out of what he's bound up in, but there's certain things that are binding him, that are inhibiting him from doing that. You know, in addictions, whether it's a, a drug or a chemical de de dependency of some kind, or it's an Internet-style addiction, or it's a broken relationship, or it's infidelity in your marriage, whatever it may be, there are these stones that are in the way that part of our job, part of our merry position is, to act in those areas, to remove all the obstacles. Big, big obstacle, big barrier, and this one's hard to take for most of us is one of the biggest obstacles that keep people from moving forward is us. E either A, we, we kind of inhibit it by trying to fix the problem ourselves. We, we try to make it better. We try to make it right. Oh, I can fix it. If, it can, if I can just do this long enough, if I can just hang in there long enough, I'm going to make his problem go away. I'm going to fix her problem. Or the opposite of that is, that we inhibit them and keep them from moving forward because of our unforgiveness. They've hurt us. They've wounded us. We're angry at them. We're mad. We're disappointed. And, and we can't get past it. 
And so because of that, our unforgiveness, our ungrace, that becomes a stone that keeps them from moving forward. And so even when the Lord's calling them out, if they start to step out, we slam them back in the tomb with our words, with our actions, with our rejection. And so what he says is this, I want you to remove the stone. My responsibility, God, my responsibility is healing, is wholeness, is bringing him back to life. The responsibility I'm giving you that I desire for you to engage in is I want you to remove these barriers and obstacles that prevent me from calling them out or prevent him from allowing himself to come back out. Does that make sense? And, and keep going down from there. Go to verse 43. And it says, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice. So now the stone's out of the way. These barriers, these obstacles are out of the way. The, you know, the, the, the internet, the friend groups, the peer groups that were there, the unforgiveness, these obstacles are out of the way. And so Jesus calls into the tomb, and, and he says to Lazarus, this, this dead guy, dead as dead can be. I'll touch off of that for a second. If you go back in the chapter, Jesus tells the disciples, we're going to go over there, we're going we're gonna to go see Lazarus. He's fallen asleep, but I'm going to wake him up. And the disciples, being the disciples, say, well, if he's just sleeping, he's going to wake up anyway. Why don't we just stay here? It'll be okay. And Jesus kind of gives him that look of, no, no, moron. Here's the reality of it. He's dead. Lazarus is dead. He's as dead as dead can be. And I think most often what we fall into, another obstacle, another stone or barrier is, we don't call it what it is. We kind of dance around the issue. We call it, well, they're just struggling a little bit right now with, this they're just kind of well you know they're they're a little bit over here but they're going to come call it what it is lazarus or jesus says straight out lazarus is dead whatever the addiction is whatever the affliction is whatever the 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 obstacle the barrier is call it what it is because it takes the power away from it and so he says lazarus is dead and you go down and he says when jesus had said this he called into the tomb and he says lazarus come out this isn't a guarantee. If I'm Lazarus, I've been dead for four days. I'm stinking. I'm a little funky. Maybe some things are decomposing a little bit. I've got some bandages on me. You know, people are gathered around the tomb. There's a massive crowd that's gathered around watching what's about to unfold. It's not a guarantee Lazarus is going to come out. That statement is as much a question as it is anything else. He looks at Lazarus and he says, Lazarus come out what he's saying is are you willing to come out are you willing to take this step are you willing to come forward yes people are watching yes people are going to see yes it may be a little bit uncomfortable for you but you've got a choice to make and and T.D. Jakes puts it like this he says you're either going to make a choice to continue to live in your history or you're going to make a choice to live out your destiny and so he says to Lazarus are you willing to come out do you, do you want to keep living in this dead place? Do you want to keep, keep doing things, engaging in things, living in things that ultimately are death, or are you willing to come out because I've got something more for you? And I think our question is, what's our response to that? Are you willing to step out? When we were little kids, my brother's over here, we went to uh, this little blue hair church downtown, 10th Street United Methodist Church. Average age at 10th Street was about 74. I, th- I think at 38 right now, my brother and I would still be in the youth group. And so it's just this, 
it's this old Blue Air Church, and, and all told, there may be, maybe it was 25, 30, 40 people there on a good day, but every year we made this commitment to, we're going to do this big Easter egg scavenger hunt, we're going to have it, and kids from all over the world are going to come and flock in, and, and some kids came, but the big, the big showpiece of, of the Easter egg story and hunt was, we had a bunny outfit, don't know where it came from, it was freaky, it was one of those bobblehead things with the full deal helmet on, put the outfit on, the furry gloves, whole deal. And so the big debate every year was who's going to wear the bunny costume. And when you go down the roll, well, Miss Smith, she's 85. That's probably not a good fit. And, and you know, he's 72. That's not good. So you get down to it, and it's, it's my year to wear the bunny costume. That's big time. That's, that was big for me. So I strap on the gear. And it's kind of the Disney principle. is You don't want to speak. You don't want to say anything because you're going to give away the magic. Because when the little kids show up, they believe, they buy into the fact that, dude, that's the Easter Bunny. He's this massive, gargantuan, fat thing, but that's the Easter Bunny, right? And so I put the helmet on, and we're doing, you know, this. It's all about big arm movements. The bigger the arm movement, the more excitement. They, woo! And, and so we're big arm movement it. We go outside, and we hunt the eggs. And we, the big final showpiece of it was we come downstairs. And there's a stage a lot like this one, right? And so Easter Bunny's on stage. And we're supposed to do this. And all of a sudden, they're going to introduce the Easter Bunny. And I'm supposed to run, hop. Here we go. It's going to be great. All the kids are gathered around. Awesome. Big, scary, fat bunny jumping at them. Somebody thought that was a good idea. And so we're all gathered around. And, and it comes in. Well, our church doesn't have air conditioning, which is awesome. And, and so big helmet on. We're outside. We're frolicking. Build up a good sweat. I've got my glasses on underneath the helmet. We come inside and poof, fogged over, misty, not good. Up on stage, kids gathered, foggy bunny, not good. I, I, and so I'm over here trying to wave for some backup, some support, you know. Uh, and, of course, the kids think, big arm movements. Oh, woo! And so people over there knowing exactly what's going on, but it's kind of like the NASCAR effect. Again, you want to see the train wreck. You wait for it. You know it's coming. Let them swing. And so I'm up there, big arm movements, and I thought I remembered how many steps I'd taken. I thought I knew how far it was. I'll go one, two, jump, bunny, bam, great. Well, in all my flailing, I'd kind of moved up a step. And so here's the Easter bunny, woo, kids are screaming. I go one. <laughs> and so no step. It's just a whoa, and there's something new. Smack the ground, head shoots off, <laughs> launches at the kids. Kids are scattering. It's awful. And, and so it's like they just watched the Easter Bunny get decapitated. <laughs> and, and so instead of let's wipe the glasses, it's dead bunny, great. And, and we're still doing counseling. But, but I think a lot of us, I, I think a lot of us with Lazarus are kind of that way. We're in this tomb of whatever it may be, whatever death we're living in, whatever. We're trying to keep up this facade, this image. We're trying to put on the big arm movements. We're trying to keep the mask on. But at the end of the day, it's all a sham, and it's all going to fall apart. And so the answer is, if he calls and says, come out, don't wait for the bunny decapitation. Go ahead and step out now. Walk in it, claim it, call it by name, and move forward. But, but I think we get caught up on the other end of that and, well, people won't, won't understand. 
people just won't get it. I, I know this. The crowd that was gathered around Lazarus's tomb, they knew exactly what he was. He was dead. That's why they were there. No matter how good your mask is, your image is, the people around you know something's not right. There's, there's an area of weakness. There's an area of death. Go ahead and claim it and move through it. And then we keep going down from there. So Lazarus's job was this. Respond. Come out. Don't stay where you are. Don't keep dwelling in dead places. Move past that. And then he turns, and I love this part, he gives the crowd a charge. He turns to the crowd and he says, said, came out, said the dead, dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And then Jesus said to the crowd, those gathered around the grave, he said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Another translation says, loose that man and let him go. And, and I think our role was this. Our part is this. That these, these people in our lives that are hurting, that are living in dead places, that are engaged in activities and things that are deaf, our job is to help the healing. And I think just like me with the diaper in the car, we've got to make a decision. Are we willing to engage the stench and the smell of lives that are in turmoil? Are we willing to work through that, through the nastiness of peeling back the layers? Are we going to say no? Real simple, real simple idea is this. If you're willing to let the people that you love and care about live in dead places, don't do it. Don't do it. If you're unwilling to watch them live in things that are death, jump in, grab a bandage, and start pulling. And, and a hard part of it is this. M many of those bandages, we slapped on them. Maybe through our words, maybe through our actions, maybe through our hurt and what they've done to us. But our job and responsibility is to help them unravel and kind of pull apart the pieces and the layers so they can be fully whole and move forward. Move away the stone. Get those barriers and obstacles out of the way. Lazarus, step out. You loose that man and let him go. Are you willing to forgive? Are you willing to heal? Are you willing to... Forgiveness is hard because it, it, it does this. It requires that we give up our right to be angry. We give up our right to hold a grudge. We give up our right to try to get back at the person. Some of us have been wounded in deep, bad, awful ways. Maybe from our spouse, from our kids at home, from people at work, from our friends that we, we thought cared about us. You've been hurt in bad, bad ways. Are you willing to say, I love you more than I hate how it made me feel? I love you more than I hate how it made me feel. Are you willing to move past the hurt, to get in there and get dirty with the stench and the bandages, to help pull apart the layers and say, I care so much more about you being whole than I care about me being hurt? And I think that's the choice. That's the decision. If you, if you don't care that those that you love are living in dead places, let them stay. But, but I'll say this to you. If you refuse to move stones or you refuse to engage in the healing process, what you're doing is this. You're putting your own stones in front of you. And you're putting your own bandages on yourself. Because those are going to become obstacles from you, from you or keeping you from moving forward. Your unforgiveness, your ungrace, your anger, your venom, your, all of that is going to keep you from moving forward and running.
And so I, I think this, there are four kind of areas here. First area is this. If you're married, if you've been praying for somebody, if you've been wanting healing and wholeness and, and hope and forgive, if, you, if you've been wanting that, keep going. Persevere. His timing's not our timing, and a response is required. You keep going and persevering. Know this. He loves you. He's passionate. When, when Mary said, Jesus, I love you, why didn't you come? Why didn't you show up? It moved his heart to tears. He cares. His timing may just be a little bit different. So keep engaging in that. Are you willing to move stones? Are you willing to push them out of the way so that people can walk out of their hurt, walk out of their history, and begin to engage their destiny? Are you willing to do that? And, and, and I'll say this. Put actual meat on that. That's a big idea. That's a big, you know, theoretical idea. Put meat on that. Who are the people? Who are the faces in your life? Who are the, or what are the items in your life that are those ideas? Are you willing to do that and engage that? If you're Lazarus, if you're, if you're struggling with addiction, if you're struggling with these thoughts that keep hitting you in, the, in, in your mind and you're like, I, I don't want to think that, but I can't. If you're Lazarus, put a name on it and start walking. And are you willing to help people pull back the layers, remove the bandages so they can move forward? David's talking about running the race and running this race that's laid out before you. I, I think this. He said everybody has a different race that we run, but we all have the same target. I, I know this. The target that we all throw ourselves at is the cross. And, and the foot of the cross was a place of sacrifice. It was a place of healing. It was a place of wholeness. It was a place of hope and a future. If you want those that you love to have a hope and a future and be able to move forward, your race is throwing yourself at the cross and watching lives be transformed because of it. And so is, is Bo and them come back up? I'm not sure. Is Bo and them come back up? Um, I think there's some prayer teams. Is that right? Some prayer, some prayer teams that will come down front. I, I would say this. Ask yourself this. Where in this kind of continuum do I fall? Am I more in a Mary phase where I'm so hurt and so upset and frustrated with God because I, I'm, I've been praying and I don't see anything happen? I, I ask you to come down and get prayer for that. Pray for healing. Pray for wholeness in that. If you're in a place where you know somebody is, is being blocked and kept from moving into their future because of addiction, because of brokenness, because of whatever problem, you know, come down and get prayer for that. If you're Lazarus, and you know that you're living in things that are dead and things that are sin and things that keep you apart from him, maybe, maybe today is the day that, that he says to you, come out, and you finally respond. Maybe, maybe today is the day that you come out and say, I'm tired of being dead. I want to move forward. And, and maybe for some of you, you've been hurt so bad by a Lazarus in your life. You've been wounded so badly that you're just not sure that you can start pulling apart the bandages and say, I'm willing to engage in that process. Come down and get prayer for that. But, but I know this. He has and desires and loves wholeness for your life. I, I was reading this this morning, too. There's no part of you that he hasn't touched. Through the creation process, through the life process, there's no part of you that he hasn't touched. He has a vested interest. Everything about him is at stake in everything about you. He desires for you to move past all that. So let me pray for us, and, and Bo and them are going to play. Um, prayer teams will be down front, but um, engage. 
engaged today. Father God, we do love you. Lord, we thank you.